If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour. Uh, we are your hosts, Matt, Jamal, and I'm Keith. And the Heretic Happy Hour is a place where we can sit together, uh, I don't know, pour yourself a drink if you like, and we can talk about the things we need to talk about without anyone feeling like uh, you're going to get labeled a heretic. So um, our motto is we want we want burning questions, not people. And uh, so, hey, uh, welcome, uh, Jamal, Matt, just say hi. Hey, guys. So good to be with you. Hey, it's Matt here. Happy to be a part of this. Awesome. So, hey, uh, our first episode today is What is Heresy? Or, uh, as we're calling it, Heresy is in the Eye of the Beholder. Uh, but first, we want to start the podcast by doing something we want to do on a regular basis, and that is to represent our Heretic of the Week. It's the Heretic of the Week. And the Heretic of the Week this week is, uh, well, Matt, you're going you're gonna to tell us who that's all about. Yeah, our first heretic of the week is uh, is Marcion, and uh, we wanted to introduce Marcion because, well, I mean, I've been called a Marcion. I, I think anyone who talks about the nonviolence of God has been probably labeled a Marcionite, and so I think we wanted to introduce him first is because, well, I, I kind of want to clear the air a little bit and introduce what Marcion actually believed so that we can see why it's a little bit different. So Marcion basically looked at the 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 description or the depiction of God or Yahweh in the Old Testament and then looked at the figure of Jesus and thought that there's no way that the two can be reconciled and so therefore there must be two gods and one God who's not so nice of a God and one God who is like Jesus and so that's basically uh, polytheism or I think um, by deism or something that's probably not the right term but basically he believed in two gods also what goes along with that is you toss out the scriptures of the quote-unquote Old Testament God so he wanted to toss out the entire Hebrew scriptures and I believe some of the New Testament scriptures as well and just have a, a small canon of New Testament writings as the official scriptures of the true God, the good God of Jesus. And so he was basically, for these beliefs, um, and there's also some Gnosticism that goes in there. The, uh, the creator God, Yahweh, is, it creates the flesh order, and everything flesh is really bad. And uh, the God of Jesus is the spiritual God, and everything spiritual is good. So he splits it up like that. So uh, that's, you know, dualistic. And so that was a part of the uh, heresy too. So he was basically like the arch heretic of the second century. And so anytime something smacks of Marcionism where anyone's saying, well, God's like Jesus. And so we have to be careful uh, of what we say about God in the Old Testament. We have to discern it. Um, you know, it's easy for some folks just to be like, oh, that's Marcionism. That's a heresy. Uh, <laughs> I know I've come across it, so I'm sure you guys have too. So that's uh, that's all I got to say about Marcion. Yeah, I mean, so the thing about Martian too, I mean, I, I've been called a Martianite as well, but, but I've been called a Martianite typically for doing exactly what he did, which is to point out that God in the Old Testament is different from what we see in Jesus. But you know what's fascinating about that is um, that, that Martian's heresy wasn't noticing that the the way God acts and talks in the Old Testament didn't didn't square with what we see in Jesus. That wasn't his heresy, because actually almost all the early church fathers admitted that there was a difference. The, the, I think what well, yeah, Martian they, they, got in yeah. trouble with was that it was his solution to that problem. Sure. So sure. again, most people who call us Martianites do so first of all, not even knowing what it was he actually believed, and and then secondly, don't even understand what made him a heretic. What made him a heretic wasn't that he said, "Hey, you know what I noticed um, when God in the Old Testament says that He wants you to wipe out an entire you know people group, including children and cats and dogs and chickens." 
um, that that doesn't sound like the way Jesus talks about God. Um, that's not what got him. That's not the heresy. The heresy was his solution, like you said. His solution was, therefore, that God was Satan. Um, and and the, and also the entire Old Testament, all the Old Testament scriptures were just going to chuck it. Um, right. Yeah. And I that's think, really what what his heresy was. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's it's important to look at. So you know, looking back on you know Marcion, you know people and you know agree. Oh, this guy, you know, he taught some unhelpful things, or he taught some things that are considered heresy. But I think what gets lost in the conversation about whether he was right or wrong about what he believed about the God of the Old Testament is like, okay, something was going on in this man. Like there was something happening in his heart. Like he was obviously uncomfortable with the depictions of God coming through the Old Testament. And I think, okay, you can get lost in the in his solutions and like, hey, was he right about this or was he wrong about that? But I really think like, you know, coming to this premise, like, okay, all people are reacting to something. They're feeling something. There's something going on in them. And so he was obviously, you know, challenged by the God presented by Jesus and then the God depicted through so much of the ancient Jewish writings. And so like, I think it was an opportunity for the early church community to have a really important conversation um, and and take it to another level, and I think that that you know because of the lab- the need to like label him and his beliefs as heresy or unhelpful, just kind of you kind of miss that opportunity. Well, and and it's important, like Keith said, like they all ha- and you said too, they all had to wrestle with this, and yep. it, it is Marcion's solution that's the problem, and and it's not necessarily like a problem, like it's the end of the world, but yeah, I mean, I I, I happen to think it's wrong, but. But all of them, I mean, Augustine, so he just, Augustine is dualistic too, like, uh, there's, God has two sides, he has a side like Jesus, and then he has like this really, this really wrathful side, and God is one, but he's got these two faces, or these, like this split in nature, and that, it, it's like, we, yeah, and, and that's not, we don't just chuck out everything, Augustine was brilliant too, but, well, but just to say, okay, well, I do. his solution, <laughs> his solution <laughs> It's a solution, but that doesn't mean it's the correct solution. And it's not even that much different than having two gods if God has two faces. I mean, we're, we're pretty much dealing with divinity that's kind of untrustworthy, <laughs> at, least, yeah. at least the way I've experienced it, you know? Yeah, and you know, and, and here's another byproduct of something that, I, that most people don't realize either, and we'll probably get into more of this detail as, as the podcasts go on in the future. But, you know, the, the fact that we even have a canon of Scripture, it kind of, Martian was the first guy to start that, even though some would say, you know, the list he came up with wasn't, wasn't a good list. But he was the first guy to at least create a list of, of books to say, I think these are truly inspired writings that, that Christians should follow. And then here's a list of, uh, of writings that I don't think we should follow. And, and there could, you know, there was obviously a disagreement about that. But, but the list he came up with wasn't anything objectionable. In other words, if you went to Martian's church and, you know, and they said, well, look, we're only going to teach from the Gospel of Mark and, uh, and these four or five books from Paul and James, uh, you would say, cool. I mean, I would. I'd say, well, what's wrong with that? That sounds awesome. Um, so it's not like he added in some crazy wonky books that were like— Well, you're a, her- you're a heretic, Keith. Uh, of course oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Martian's uh, Try that again. Marcion's um, quest to like limit uh, what he considered to be a dangerous belief, which was like you know the, the depiction of God in the Old Testament. So he wanted to like, well, you want to get rid of these ideas. So let's just have an approved set of documents, an, a, an official canon. It's just it's interesting that even that thought process of trying to exclude people from the conversation came back to bite him because that's exactly what happened to him. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway, let's move on from that old heretic. Yes. So let's get into episode one. <laughs> yeah, let's get into this stuff. All let's, right. Uh, what, what, what is heresy? What, I mean, what do we even say? I mean, obviously, like we, we introduced in our little bit for our group that, you know, uh, we're kind of using it ironically, but that's not, that's not the way a lot of folks use it. So, I mean, what are we even talking about when we talk about uh what is heresy or what is a heretic or um, yeah. you guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah. When people use the word heresy, when they, when they call something that's heresy or they call somebody a heretic, what they mean to say is that person is a false teacher 
But that actually, the word heresy has nothing to do. It means nothing. It doesn't mean that at all. Like the word heresy has nothing to do with someone being a false teacher or a correct teacher. But that's how people use it, thinking they're using it in a in a in a official way or a correct way. Or and that's that. It's nothing. Yeah. Again, it's nothing to do with the word heresy. What do you mean by that? I mean, where do you get that? Because that's not what I've always been told, Jamal. <laughs> well, I think. Yeah, Jamal. How do you know? Yeah. Well, I think I think heresy, specifically the Greek word. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the the, the word in, in Greek literally talks about somebody who's causing a division within the within the body of Christ. Yeah. So it's really more about division or dividing people from each other. It, it really has nothing to do with whether a belief is correct or incorrect. That's true. I, but I, that's true. But I think also in the New Testament they did talk about, you know, Paul did talk about false teachers, you know, the Judaizers totally. and saying that you had to be circumcised. And so yeah, they they did call out false teachers, but heresy uh, the word where we get the the root word we get for heresy, yeah, it really means just dividing the the body, and and then that's the crazy thing about the word, uh, the term heresy is that uh, because really all it really means is dividing the body, which means you can divide the body if and be right, like you could be correct technically about your 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 doctrine or your belief, but if you are so strong about it and so dogmatic about it that you're causing division in the church. You're a heretic because you're using even a right belief to cause division in the body. So, and here's the thing too, I think Christians don't really pick up on is how important unity in the body was for Paul, for example. I mean, Paul really cares about unity in the body to the point where like, you know, we see him in Corinthians talking about, you guys are having an argument about, you know, which apostle is your favorite. Look, forget that. All follow Jesus. So let's have unity. Don't divide. Uh, you're having arguments about uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols. Let everyone be convinced in their own mind, but be one. You know, have fellowship. Get over that. Move on. So he's constantly driving them back. You know, like even like even to say, uh, if if a brother wrongs you in the church, why not rather be wronged? Imagine that. Just let them wrong you. But why would you be willing to do that? Because the most important thing is to hang on to that unity you have as brothers and sisters in Christ. So for Paul, and I think for probably most of the apostles, unity was more important to them even than heresy. Like, in other words, false teaching. Like, no, we don't want false teaching. I'm not saying that. But come on, like, we've got to maintain unity here. And even something like, you know, I think it's a pretty big deal— it would have been certainly to those early Christians the whole idea of eating meat sacrificed to idols. Uh, people probably had very emotional feelings about that, and Paul doesn't strive to to solve the argument, you know. And he could have; he could have just said, "This is the right way to think. The other way is the wrong way to think. If you think the wrong way, you're an idiot. Get out of here." But he doesn't. He just says, "Look, it, I think this, but who cares? If someone else thinks the other way, let's let's uh, show them honor and." And for the sake of unity, let's maintain fellowship. Right. And what's beautiful is that even, you know, before the church is founded, quote unquote, you go back to John, John's gospel, where it's like, Keith, you had mentioned, like, it's not so much about correct beliefs, quote unquote, it's because the the, the woman who's going to get stoned to death, the the people who approach Jesus with her are technically correct in, in how they interpret it. I mean, they're they're right to do that, but it's not it's not always about... The most important thing is not always about correct beliefs because if you're going to if you're going to use correct beliefs to cause division, to cause social scapegoating, to cause any of these things that um bring people down and cause us first them, then you've totally missed the point. Yeah, absolutely. And here we are here we are in the modern church now. How many how many denominations of 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 Christianity are there or Protestantism? Yeah, worldwide? something like over the last I heard, thirty four thousand or something more than more than thirty four thousand yeah, denominations. It's, it's a complete joke. It's it's really a joke, you know. And and every one of those folks, if you think about yeah. denominations and specific divisions, every one of them have formed because they are they want to to honor the quote unquote truth. I mean, that's why they have formed because they're like, oh well, this mm-hmm. is correct, and we're gonna we're gonna form our own little tribe over here because we we believe this to be the correct way, and they all and they all want to stray away from heresy, uh, what they consider heresy, but actually the word heresy is division. So by reckon, and, and it, and it yeah, the, what weird. people don't really understand is that they're presupposing that people have to. Where does unity come from? People they think that unity comes from having. Um, correct ideas or correct beliefs like you, that never creates unity like you you 
it has nothing to do with unity. Having having everyone believe the same thing does not create unity, and it doesn't create disunity. There's something deeper than that. I think that a lot of times, you know, in this conversation of heresy um, or or disunity or division, I think um, there's something that deeper that's missed. And um, there's nothing that can cause, there's no wrong information that can cause you to be divided from another person. Unless, of course, um, you begin to view that person in a very different way. The idea of even seeing somebody as a false teacher immediately disrupts your unity, you know. And so, <laughs> that, I think that has is, is not been helpful. And none of that is to say that faith traditions within the church aren't a beautiful thing. I think, it's, I think it, it, there's something to be said about um, Franciscans coming together with Trappists, coming together with Protestants and Anabaptists and Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholics. Yes. And, 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 but then, because, I mean, there's this book, Stricken by God, talking about the atonement, where all of these faith traditions are brought together to, to critique each other and critique, you know, a certain type of atonement theory. But the point is not that we shouldn't have these traditions that emphasize certain things over another thing and have a different twist that we can learn from both groups, from different groups, from the third group, from the fourth group, all these different groups. Um, but to use that uh, uh, diversity and thought and way of approaching the world and life situations and then, and then coming together uh, as one with those, acknowledging those differences, I think could be a beautiful thing. I just think we've fucked it up, you know? Oh, there you go. I had to drop one. <laughs> so just in case you don't know what that is, um, Matt has just put some money in the swear jar because um, we have a little we have a little uh, thing here, a little rule. Uh, even though it's the Heretic Happy Hour, if someone says something, typically it's going to be Matt. Uh, <laughs> colorful. Uh, we'll drop some money in the swear jar, and then we'll figure out, we're probably going to donate this money at the end of the year um, to a good cause. So there you go. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you know, I had I had I, I had a maybe a little story example of um, I remember being at a conference one time, and um, it was about unity. You know, it was about oneness, and uh, there was different denominations represented, and they, they were really wrestling after like two or three days of the conference, and it was different leaders from different denominations, and they, they were trying to come up with some watered down statement of faith, some 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 creed that they could all agree on, and they just couldn't do it. And I remember sitting there um, just thinking to myself, because, you know, they would say, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, I can't really agree with the Catholic doctrine. And it would be, I think, a Baptist that was talking about Catholic, Roman Catholic doctrine. Or, I can't, as in good faith, call my, you know, this person a brother in, or sister in the faith if they subscribe to this set of beliefs. And, you know, and they just were kept wrestling over how to be honest with themselves and yet still refer to each other as part of the same family. And I just remember it kind of dawning on me in one, in just a, in a moment. It was like, wow, like as long as we see each other through these lenses of, of, of with a label of denomination, like this person's a Catholic or this person's a Baptist or this person's whatever, um, then, then we're going to always have this problem. Like, look, it's okay to have certain faith traditions. They're, they're beautiful. There's certain beautiful things in each tradition, but a person's identity should never be rooted in their belief system. I really feel like that. And that could be, I mean, we could talk more about that. I'm sure. And we will, we'll get into that in future episodes. But if you see somebody's identity, like as a Catholic, it's like, what is that? That's actually, they're not, nobody is a Catholic in their nature because when they die, they're not a Catholic. You know, when somebody before they, when they were first born into this world, before they had a belief system, they weren't a Catholic or they weren't a Baptist or they weren't a Presbyterian. They were, they were who they always were. And that's a person's identity should be seen and rooted in the essence of who they are, not in their belief system. And that's where I think that's the only way we're going to have unity. That's just a thought I had. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I have a similar story because, um, you know, our our house church is made up of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, and that's only because we don't have a statement of faith. Because if we uh, early on we 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 were like, oh, I guess we need a statement of faith, you know, and we were kind of like, I was considering, uh, you know, adopting. Well, let's let's say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. That'll be our statement of faith or something like that. And then you know, actually, it was one of the brothers in the group who just said he just pointed to the Bible and he said, why don't we just say this is our statement of faith? Like, why do we have to write something new? Uh, what if Jesus is our only standard? What if we just said, do you love Jesus and are you following him? Then you're in. Uh, and so we did. So I'm, I'm so glad we made that decision because then as new people have come into our house church, 
from different backgrounds, right? So some were raised Catholic, some were raised Episcopal, some raised Lutheran, some raised Baptist, some charismatic Pentecostal. Uh, all, and, they, and of course, with that comes all kinds of other assumptions of the way we've been taught and raised to read Scripture, or understand things, etc. But they're in a safe place where it's okay to question and doubt those things. Um, that are we, what we've discovered is instead of having this unity, and Jamal, you touched on that. You know, our unity has never been unity is never about um, those those statements of faith. Every time we've tried to find unity by by a statement of faith, it's caused division. Right, That's right. why we have thirty four thousand denominations. But according to Galatians, we are all one in Christ Jesus. So what we've discovered is that's the truth. Our unity is only in Christ. And if our focus is Jesus, and if our common denominator is Jesus, we do have unity, even though we don't agree on many things. And here's the other thing. You're never going to learn anything from someone who already agrees with everything you believe. I'm only going to grow and and be stretched if someone challenges what I think and and presents an idea that's different from something I assume, and that's the way you grow. As long as they're not heretics or false teachers, then I would agree with that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, again, it's like like the title of the of the podcast says, right? Heresy is in the eye of the beholder because you know we've already we've given the textbook examples and historic examples of what does heresy mean and and how did heresy heretics get branded and how did it cause de- denominations so yeah so that's that's the textbook example but today in 2017 if if another christian turns to you and calls you a heretic or on facebook calls you a heretic all they mean by that is you just expressed a belief that's different from mine <laughs> so true right so, so in other words they are the standard. They are the personal standard, and anything different from my personal standard is a heresy. Well, and how did we get to that place, though? I mean, how did how did we get to a place where we we get to say, "Well, you're a heretic, and you're a heretic, and you're a heretic," and you're right, Keith. It's it's basically you're a heretic because my belief system doesn't line up. That, uh, typically, I mean, not always uh, not always the case, but typically, um, where we get to say my belief system determines what is correct doctrine, quote-unquote, and then, therefore, whatever else doesn't fit into that that system of thought. Um, every, I mean, how do we get to a place where we say that, where we say that is what heresy is, no matter what, because it's not what I agree with? I mean, does it, does it, does it come from, from, and I'm not going to bash the creeds, I, I, Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, I, I pretty much read it and go, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at, but is, it, is that like the jumping-off point where it morphs from creed to creed to creed, and we get into the sixth century, and then we've got creeds about that have changed, and we've added these things, and now we've got confessions of faith in the 1600s or 1500s that are pages and pages long, and now we've got you know we'll get into next segment or you know in the next episode you know we've got these statements of faith where sexuality has to be a part of what a true Christian is. I mean, is is that where it starts with these formulations of the faith that, for all good intentions? they've sort of morphed into something that's caused division and become actual heresy in the New Testament sense of the word. Yes, heresy in the division sense of the word. You know, and so here's something too, and uh, I don't want to scoop something we're going to talk about down the road, but but again, even the Old Testament scriptures themselves and the New Testament scriptures, I think, to a degree as well— are not a single single document of a single point of view that every single one of those prophets and and authors all said amen to but what what we actually have is a dialogue so you know even the scriptures themselves present you know uh, Moses says i think god is like this and then king david says well i think god's kind of like that and you know then hosea says well no i see god this other way and then jesus shows up and says look you're all kind of got it wrong. Let me tell you, this is what Jesus, this is what God is like. And so uh, that's what's really happening in the scriptures. And so if the scriptures themselves give us a model where we are supposed to listen to each other, we're supposed to consider other different new ideas um, and not be afraid of that. that, So so I think to me, part of the problem is that we have a canonized scripture where we've closed it and we've said, okay, no more discussion, no more dialogue, no more questioning. Um, you know, this is it, even, which is silly yeah. because the book itself doesn't agree on some, on everything. Uh, but but still, right? We we've and then and then we decide for ourselves the parts of that book that we think are the most authoritative, and then to disagree with that, well, now you're a heretic. 
Right, right. And I think, I honestly think that not everything that's recorded in this, and this is obviously questionable, but my, my, to interject in this conversation about, about heresies, like, I, I think even the scripture themselves, some of the, even in the New Testament, some of the behavior of the apostles, even contained in the New Testament writings, I think are problematic, uh, when it comes to this, because I think they didn't always set the proper example for us. Um, which I want to touch on a bit later, but before I get into that, like I would like to touch on this. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Rocky, um, I, like one of my favorite movie series growing up, and so I'm not a huge fan of the Creeds, you know, at least in the first couple episodes because they were the nemesis, you know, Apollo Creed. Uh, anyway, okay, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, <laughs> like <laughs> I think you, I think you now owe money to my don. You have to match my donation for that joke. I am not a fan of the Creeds. And here's why. And I'm, in all seriousness, I'm not a fan of the creeds, not because I disagree with what, what I may or may not disagree with what the creeds say. It has not, not about that. It's not about the information of the creed. It's about the need to have one. And that's where I really, there's, I have take issue with that because there's this idea that developed and it, it wasn't immediate. Um, I think, let's I mean, back up for a second. You have the person of Jesus. Okay. So here's Jesus. He comes on the scene. Obviously, if you want to talk about correct ideas or correct beliefs about God, I mean, nobody, almost nobody had correct understanding of who God was, hence the need for Jesus to come. So when Jesus comes, he's revealing a completely different nature of who God is. He's revealing the truth about God, but in a way that goes way beyond just ideas or beliefs. So it, it's, it tr- completely transcends that. So most people didn't understand that, didn't get it. Jesus was not railing he wasn't labeling people false teachers. He wasn't labeling people, okay, because you, you got your, your doctrines or ideas about God wrong, so you, let me label you or tell, tell, tell people that they shouldn't listen to you and that kind of thing. The only people he labeled as, as uh, beware of those folks were the religious leaders who were doing that. So he was the one that he was talking to the Pharisees. He was saying, mm. okay, yeah, watch out for that mindset because those are the ones that are telling you who the correct teachers are and who aren't and who to stay away from and all those kinds of things. But I think if you look at the the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is very inclusive. It's about a transcendent reality. It's about love. It's about this idea of truth being something you embody. It's not really about your belief system. It's 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 about a reality. But then I think that's the that's the way of Jesus. I don't think the apostles completely stayed true to that. I don't even think Paul stayed true to it. I think if you get down the line, yes. <laughs> I think if you start to go into into the early church history, you start to see the need to coalesce around a, a certain approved list of ideas that were correct and that and, and the ones that were dis, in, incorrect. You know, even though some of those ideas that were floating around in the first second, first couple of centuries, yeah, some of them were prob- problematic. They caused problems. I agree with that. But to label somebody as being outside or inside your tribe or faith because of these ideas was a deviation. Um, to me, it's a deviation from the way of Jesus and the example of Jesus. I don't think even Paul stayed true to that. I think he was working it out himself. That's just my, I think that's something important. To well, understand. yeah, no, I, 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 I love that you said that at the end. Um, two things. I think more that going back to what Jesus did, it's, it wasn't, yeah, it, you're right. It's not so much about labels. It's about what he did. It seemed to take people's belief systems and then tease it out on where it leads and get people to to think and to try to, you know, if I'm going to say that you're going to burn in hell, well, Jesus sort of takes that idea for those people and turns it into where you have to look internally, where you have to look at the uh, the log in your own eye you know, those sort of things. And then the second thing, yeah, Paul, you know, Paul had to go, it seems like, through a transition, and we see it in his writings from the first and second Thessalonians to when we get to Romans, the theology seems to change. And so Paul, yeah, it's like, it's it's all about this journey where, you know, Paul, Saul is confronted, bam, you know, on this issue of violence and, and persecution, and then he has to go on these this journey, and we've all been on these journeys where we have it doesn't always just click one time. Oh, now I've under now I'm enlightened. Now I understand the way, you know. Um, but you, we go through these different transitions where we we have this revelation, and then it takes a while for us to wrestle through. What does this mean? What does that mean? I think that's so important. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and see, I think too, you know, there's the thing that, like, you know, Jesus, going back to Jesus, right? So Jesus asked questions. And when they asked him a question, he, he wasn't so big on giving answers, which which would have, you know, made a lot of Christians today really happy because we're all about answers. We're all about, you know, getting all the facts and information correct. And then I think to me, that's part of the problem. Like Christianity has become about having all the correct information and having all the right uh, having the right information about who God is and what God is like. That's right. And that's right. And so, therefore, this is why we're so freaked out about quote unquote false teachers and heresy. Is that no? I've got a list, and it's the right, the correct list of information about God and who God is. And you, you try to say that one of my things on my list is wrong. Oh my gosh, you're dangerous. You're a heretic because now you are threatening the very fabric of Christianity itself. Because in my mind, that means having right information. But but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't give handout answers. He'll just turn around and ask another question. Like, like he's really okay with us working it out and thinking about it. Like he's encouraging us to have a conversation and think about it and work it out. So if someone said something you disagree with, here's an idea. Just say, I disagree. Or why do you think that? And now let's have a conversation. But, you know, Jesus isn't like so stuck on, well, when, hold on, we're not leaving until we figure out who's right and who's wrong here. He's like, well, that's a good question. Here's another question you haven't thought about. See ya. And, you know, lets it hang in the air and walks away. Like, that's crazy to me. But uh, but it's exciting. I mean, to me, that's why I love Jesus, because he is like that. You know, he's not someone who's dogmatic. He's not someone who's like slamming people because, oh, you don't, you know, line up with these things. And and the sad thing to me is that Christians today have gotten so hung up on having the right information that we don't care about unity. We don't care about love. You know, we say, we do say, I can't fellowship with that brother because they have a weird idea about blank. I'm like, well, so what? So they disagree yeah. with you on that point or, or well, a couple of points. They still have a relationship and a love for Jesus, just like you do. But what if they're right? I mean, you so know, what? I what mean, if, we got... <laughs> yes. No, I know. But when, when we judge, it's like, we haven't even taken it. I was, I used to be like this too. We haven't even considered that we might be wrong. Well, that's we might have interpreted it a little bit differently and oops. That's what everyone's we, afraid of, man. We, we, Nobody oops. wants to suggest. Again, that's what everyone, it is about fear, right? Isn't this, this is, whole thing is about fear ultimately. I'm afraid your idea challenges my idea. It suggests I could be wrong. And if Christianity is about having everything right, you're jeopardizing my Christianity because, oh my gosh, what if I've got something wrong? Uh, instead of just saying, it's okay yeah. if I have something wrong, you know? But okay, so yeah. is, there any a time, is there any time where it is justified? I mean, is there time, in other words, is there a time to ever draw a line in the sand? Yes. Okay, how so? Or when? I mean... I would say when... The, I, I mean, I have my thoughts too, but yeah. Well, I, honestly, I would go back to, like, I'm going to talk about my own experience, but going even back, and it goes back to the original definition of heresy, when someone's causing division. Like, there's only been one person in our church family I ever asked to leave, and 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 other people have just left on their own, but they've left on their own because they were causing division in the body, and, and the church, you know, was like, hey, man, that's not cool. What are you doing? And they wouldn't stop doing it. Like we didn't kick them out, but they were and they were intent on, you know, having their way. It was always about a doctrine that they, you know, had to hold on to and wanted to convince everyone else that that they were right and we were wrong. Um, but I've only uh, I would only break fellowship with someone if they were intent on just causing division in the body. And and that's a scriptural thing. Like Titus says, warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. And then, if they do it again, have nothing else to do with them. And that's a sad thing. You don't do that because you want to, you like to. It's like you don't want to do that. But if, they're, if they are intent on causing division in the body, um, what else can you do? Yeah, I, I'll, take, I'll take a little different approach to that. I, I, actually, I actually don't think it's necessary. Um, I think it could be helpful. It, it, it can, will you have problems if you... <laughs> are tolerating of a very divisive person. Yeah, you may have some temporary problems, may have some issues, but um, this is where I think some of the writers of the scriptures go off um, a little bit from the way, from the example of Jesus, because I personally, in my own personal life, I've never, it's never worked out well, ever, when I've, I, I have taken the initiative 
to write some to to write somebody off because they were causing what I considered problems or they had different beliefs and they were causing division. Even and they were clearly like I can look back and go, yeah, I totally think these these people were in the wrong. It's never actually worked out well in any way, shape, or form um, for me to. To, to break fellowship with a person. Um, now, when whenever I've been tolerating of that, whenever I have a let, even when it caused immense amount of problems um, in my relationships and circles, um, I, I felt better personally. And it, 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 many people, even the, even if it didn't result in like a reconciliation with that person, there were a lot of people around me that could see that and could see the example that was being set, which seemed to be a higher example. Because honestly, I don't, think you really need to if you if you will stand um in the in the way of Jesus stand firm this is just my view here if you stand firm in the way of Jesus and see people even people who are like asses like total asses like if you can still see them uh from a vantage point of the way of Christ and still be accepting of them i think they won't stick around i think they'll break fellowship that's been my experience well, yeah, see, now, is that they'll just yeah and i i agree jamal see actually that and i i want to clarify what i'm saying because like i, I on a personal level, like I can, I know the, the, the names of like the, the two people who left our group and they left because, you know, they were upset that we wouldn't line up with them. They, they were the ones causing division. But again, they left. I didn't, no one asked them to leave. And if they came back, I would give them a huge hug, you know, I, and if I saw them at Walmart or whatever in the car, the coffee shop, I would say, hey, brother, good to see you. How you doing? You know, I, I, I love them. I really do love them. But our fellowship I mean, I don't mean in the fellowship in the sense of I won't talk to him. I can't be in the room with him. I'm not going to consider him a brother. I don't mean that because I, I don't think I really would do that with anybody. But as far as like us getting together as a church uh, and fellowshipping, well, we can't have fellowship because they've decided they're the ones who've decided we can't because they 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 insist that everyone lines up behind them and their beliefs. And because we're not going to line up behind their beliefs, we don't want unity on that basis. We want unity on the basis of Christ. Um, then that unity is broken. It's broken because they're they have a, an attitude. They have set a standard that we're not wanting to follow. What about trolls on Facebook? Well, are there trolls on Facebook? Uh, I've heard I mean, that. I, I heard I mean, that. You know what? What I've, about blocking people? I've heard that. I've some got a pretty long block mean. list. <laughs> well, that's a good point because I don't. You know, I, I don't know what you guys think. I think Facebook's a little different. Although I think I tolerate those kinds of people longer. At least other people. Let's put it this way: people have told me that I'm more patient with those people than I than I should be. Um, but I have blocked people, uh, and usually only after they I either it's just a lost cause or they really cross a line, and I just am sick of it, and I'm you know I, I I can't put up with it anymore. But but I try to give people grace uh, on Facebook because I genuinely always hold out hope that people will change their minds and that they will be convinced of, of whatever it is that they're arguing against. And I only say that because I've seen it. I've actually seen where uh, people, either total strangers or even friends of mine on Facebook have argued with me about things for sometimes for months and then, and then like private messaged me afterward and said, Hey Keith, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I want, I'm sorry for what I, how I acted, but you know what you, you were instrumental in helping me see, you know what Jesus said about nonviolence is right, or something like that. So totally, totally. That, I've had that, that kind of stuff well. makes me feel like, yeah, exactly. And so that kind of stuff, it's almost like a drug. It's like, man, if there's a chance that one of these guys could could turn the corner and could get it, it's worth it to me to put up with them being kind of a jerk for a while. Again, unless it's just like, all right, there's no sign that that's going to happen anytime soon, uh, or I've I've dealt with this so many times, I'm just done. Yeah, I think the line I draw is that I kind of I, I try to treat my page like like a learning experience. We're all students, first and foremost, we're students. Some of us teach, some of us don't. But, you know, if you're in a classroom, you can't disrupt the classroom so that no one can learn anything or that no one can have a safe conversation. So, I mean, it's it's one of those. Yeah, I think you're right, though, that, that you know, social media is a little different. It's not, it's not that... It's not that you wouldn't fellowship with people, but sometimes, you know, you got to get something done. You know, you got to have conversations with people who want to have conversations. Yeah, yeah. I I do think that's that we're kind of facing this, even taking it outside the faith context. We're facing this as a global community, even with what's going on with with in the world, with like nations like, let's just take, for example, North Korea, you know, you, you know, without getting all political, like there's there's 
two ways of like people, you know, the, the tendency has been, okay, we're with Cuba or North Korea, people that we deem as, or that the majority of the international community deems as hostile or rogue or bad or whatever. Like this idea is that you can separate from those folks or kick them out of the world community. And some, and in some way that would be reformative actually doesn't work. I don't think that that's actually played out the way that that's the idea. I mean, even Paul said that, like, hey, turn this guy over to Satan, let Satan have his way with him. And then when he, because the, the intent on Paul is good, like, okay, yeah, he'll, he'll be restored in the end. I just don't think it works. That's just my personal view. I don't, I don't think it works very well. I think engagement, my personal view is engagement and see and including people because everyone wants to be accepted and included at the core of who they are. So, um, Sitting so down you're saying we, well, but I, we need we need more Dennis Rodmans in the world is what you're saying. I actually agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know about Dennis Rodman, but I, I mean, I think um, <laughs> North Korea. I agree you know. with I agree with the idea of sitting down because at the end of the day, if is Kim Jong Il a bad person? Un. Or, or it's it, Un. Kim Jong Un is he a bad yes. person? And the answer is no. He's actually a really he's actually a really good person. Um, if we. If, unless we wait, hold on. He's, unless we're going to buy into the, where's the heresy button? You know, uh, but the idea wait. is like at the core of human beings that human beings are good, even the ones we consider to be sure. pains in the ass. Sure. You know, like there's something okay. deeper going on, and maybe it warrants a conversation. Uh, maybe it well, warrants- there's no one beyond redemption. Yeah, I, I agree that there's no one beyond redemption, and I think that whole idea that that uh, the scapegoating mechanism or the tribal mindset that that says because that person disagrees with me or is different from me or even opposes me. Um, they're be they're beyond redemption, and there's no hope for them. Therefore, anything I do to them is justified. Like, yeah, that's that is not the way of Christ. That's not the way that moves forward. Jesus, that's Jesus' whole thing was that's the reason why he wants us to to turn the other cheek and bless those who curses and love our enemies. And the hope is that the kingdom can break through in that moment, and in that act of mercy and kindness and love and forgiveness, there can be transformation, right, and reconciliation. So I totally agree on that. I, I absolutely agree on that. It's weird that. To apply that to Dennis Rodman and Kim Kim Jong Il or Un or whatever, but uh, but no, but it's true. It's it's true in any sense, in any situation. Right. It sounds like it sounds like we're getting we're not going to have solution to the problem in this podcast. But it sounds like I mean the you know this kind of conversation breeds hopefully some solutions. Uh, I mean, ha- going back to original intent of our conversation and 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 labels and and scapegoating and us versus them within the church body. I mean, what what do you guys think are some of the solutions on how we move forward? Um, well, uh, I mean, do we, do we, do we try to, do we try to, I mean, I mean, not clear, don't want to be cliche, but do we just try to use more empathy? Do we try to listen to each other? I think it comes um, down to a consciousness thing. Like, so even within, like for myself, I think it comes back down to whoever I'm disagreeing with, or, you know, maybe we're in this um, is to understand, okay, at the, at the core of them, um, is a their their heart is actually really good. They actually have really good intentions, and I mean, I, I, there's a spark a spark of the divine, right? Totally, in other words, totally. Like what they're pushing back against, even though I may disagree with what they're saying, maybe even believe some of their ideas are not helpful. But the, at the core of them, like like for example, I'll just give you an example. I talked to you know I'm, I've been in dialogue with some of my old friends from my past when I used to be a pastor, you know, and they think that I've uh, abandoned the faith. They they call me you know like a false teacher now. And they are very, they were, I would consider some of those folks fundamentalist, but you know what I appreciate about them? You know, even though I disagree with their, their assessments of me or what they even believe now, um, what I appreciate about them is that they really do have a heart for the truth. They actually want to honor, they want their lives to honor whatever is true. And that's where their motivation is coming from. So when I, when I remind myself of that and I go, okay, I did totally disagree with them. But I mean, this is a good hearted person here. It allows me, it really does make me less apt to cut those folks off. But if I'm, if I'm just basically seeing them from the vantage point of this guy's an asshole, (laughs) you know, man, this person, dang it. But like, if I, if, if I feel that they're just an asshole at the core of their being, they're just, they're just bad people. They're just religious zealots. There's nothing good with these people. Then, man, I'll be more apt to be like, hey, good riddance. Let me just get rid of you. Let me and just. That's heresy. That's you know, division. That, yeah. Yeah. That's heresy. Totally. And the heresy then could be even on, like, on you or on me if once I make the decision because they believe that I can't have fellowship with them. The heretic is me because I'm the one that decided on the division to happen, right? Um, because the, the heresy is about division. It's not about being right or being wrong. It's like being so committed to 
to the th- the fact that I have to be right and they have to be wrong that we cannot coexist, you know? Totally. Yeah. I, I would say... Right. I would, and that's... An, I, I was going to say part of the solution to me is even what we're doing on this podcast and even what we're doing on the Facebook group, the Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group, uh, is, you know... And and just give up this whole idea of of deciding who's right and who's wrong, and arriving at these you know the capital T truth, uh, this having this right information, and instead just you know take take every opportunity to listen to each other, right? Put yourself in a position, and put yourself in a place, and actually seek out opportunity opportunities and places where you can listen to people express a view that's different from yours without freaking out, without getting angry, without, you know, going ballistic on that other person for how dare they say that or think that. Like, just really calmly sit back and listen to what they're saying and just even ask yourself, well, I wonder why they think that. And um, and even just ask yourself the what if, what if they're right? You know, you may not even think they're right, but okay, well, what if they're right? And instead of proving who's right and who's wrong, yeah, you know, take a posture of listening. And that's what I love about this Facebook group we started, which has just exploded. It's crazy to me. But uh, the excitement level, I think, of people about the group uh, is that we we have created a safe space where we've said we, we, we invite people to have different ideas. We want you totally. to tell us, you know, what are some of the reasons you got called a heretic or kicked out of church? or what to- Totally. And I, I think something that is also important to keep in mind, too, is like if you can – in the conversation and the disagreement you're having, if you can like repeat back to the person you're arguing with, if you can repeat back to them what their position is, now, forget about the fact that you may disagree with it. If you can actually repeat back and go, Hey, is this what you're saying? And then repeat back what they're saying. That's really helpful because most of the, a lot of disagreements that we have in these kind of conversations are, are based on misunderstandings. We don't actually, a lot of times don't really even understand what our opponent is actually saying. So it's like, I think that's a huge deal. Just seeking to understand where they're coming from can really diffuse so much of the tension uh, that goes on um, in these kind of conversations. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's too bad that no one has written like a book uh, about mimetic rivalries and death anxiety. And, you know, like, uh, like if someone write a book uh, about like, you know, the root of us versus them mentality and something like that, that would be really helpful. Well, I, I think someone, someone did write that. a book about that. that. That would be really nice. Someone needs to get off their ass, put in some work, actually care about the gospel and write <sighs> that. Yeah, try to try to solve the problem. Yeah, I don't know. With ideas of why we have so much mimetic violence. If anyone would do what that. What would they call a book like that? Like, what's the title I, for a book like that? What do you think? Um, I See Satan Fall Like Lightning. That would be a good title of a book. Some, something like that would be cool. And, and be who, good. who wrote that? Like that? Who would write that book? Oh, he, he's, he's, been, he's passed away, so it's too, it's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rene Girard wrote that book. Yes, that's a fantastic book. I think he did. But yeah. I was thinking of your yeah. book. Matt. Are you trying to? Are you trying to plug my yes, book? Yes, Matt. Come on, get a clue. I'm trying to plug your book. The choir. Oh, oh gosh, I just didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yes. So read my book. I mean, Keith has made it obvious that it's brilliant. So uh, you know, get it through. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Sometimes you know how it goes. You guys are authors. You get too close. You you just yeah. want to get it done and get it off the get it away and, <laughs> and it's done. Move away. Not ever look at it again. I think your book is awesome about this very issue. I think it's really really good. From the blood of Abel. From uh, yeah, blood it of Abel, seems to help people. Published yeah. by Choir Books. Available now at Amazon.com. <laughs> so that's the solution. Read my book and we'll all be fine. That's right. That's the. <laughs> This entire podcast has been a failed commercial for Matt's book. <laughs> We're just a bunch of assholes. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Damn it. Don't let it go. Don't I, let it why, slip. I, got, I thought I got one through. I thought I got one through. Yep. Uh, so, let's... Uh, you think that's pretty good, huh? I think that's time to wrap it up. Unless you guys got any... Uh, other ideas? I don't know. You know, I think... Uh, well, no. What do you think? Do you guys want to... Do you want me to plug your book? No, 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 no. Please don't. <laughs> okay. You know, something like... I know something that I really like um, when it comes to when you disagree with somebody, if you're in a disagreement with somebody, especially if you can get together with them, or if not, maybe this will work on Skype. This might sound a little weird, but like, just like getting like having a conversation with them where you can like sit down like getting it as personal as you can make it you know what i mean like like just bridging that i think that's just a huge thing i like um 
sending flowers to people too sometimes, you know, or chocolates, you know what I mean? Or just like, like, like kind of weird stuff. You know what I mean? Getting to a point where like, well, it's uncomfortable. Like it's like kind of over the top gushy love kind of stuff because like that, (laughs) like it's really hard to be angry at somebody who just loves you. You know what I mean? Like it legitimately loves you. It really just, I think it's, it's, I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, not just so you can one up them or like, dump heaping coals on their head, you know, fiery coals on their head, but literally so no, no, no. you can really love like, man, people are just beautiful, you know? And sometimes I am overcome. Like the, sometimes the matter somebody gets at me, I sometimes will feel like, man, they're so beautiful. Like they, they, and sometimes I'll tell them that they think I'm mocking them. And I'm like, you actually are really stunning right now. <laughs> In your yeah. anger. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've seen that. I mean, I've done that kind of stuff too, but I, but when I watch it happen, when I watch someone else do exactly what you're saying, Jamal, um, sometimes it's even like this is going to sound weird, but like, um, like so let's let's say there's two people on Facebook, right? And one and, and they're disagreeing, and one of them is being a gigantic jerk. But I think that jer- the one who's right is the jerk, right? The guy who's who's being a jerk, I agree with him, but so I I tend to agree with what he's saying. But he's just being a massive jerk about it. And the guy who I think is totally off base. If that person responds with the love of Christ and gentleness and mercy and blesses that guy and just consistently does that, you know what? Even though I think that guy's wrong, I end up taking that guy's side more, yes. right? I think more like, well, man, that guy's got the heart of Christ. Yeah, that's the way. And and that's the guy the who's right is is screwed up. Yes, that's the way. Exactly. So that, I think that's a beautiful witness. Yeah, that's the way. And I've seen that. I've seen that happen so many times. And I think that's that's. I would rather be the guy who's wrong but is really sweet about it and, and Christ-like about it than that guy who's right, but is an absolute dick about it. So, yeah. And um, I know we need to wrap it up here real quick. Um, I hope this is okay. I probably should have done this earlier in the in the podcast, but I remembered that I wanted to read. We did a little survey on the uh, Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group, and um, it was basically, you know, has anyone ever called you a heretic and what was it for? And we allowed people to, to put their own... Uh, Answers in there, my gosh, I don't know, there's like something like 45 different reasons people have been called a heretic or kicked out of church. And so I just wanted to real quick go down maybe the top 10 here, um, or maybe top five. Uh, the number one, 94 people said uh, it was for questioning ideas about eternal suffering. 92 said it was denying biblical inerrancy. 71 people said it was standing up for LGBTQ people. 59 said it was different ideas regarding the atonement. Uh, 59 also said reading books by unapproved authors. That's probably the three of us. Uh, and 57 <laughs> of them said, I was thinking, Nietzsche. yeah, well, yeah, of course. Uh, and 57 saying, uh, suggesting we shouldn't worship the Bible. Hmm. Uh, and things like that, denying the rapture, even just doubting something the pastor said. So anyway, those are just, uh, if you want to look at that on the, and participate if you haven't yet on the Facebook group, that's kind of a cool little, uh, survey we got going there. But yeah, we do need to wrap this thing up. And um, so, yeah. guys, tell them, tell them what our next episode here is. Here it comes. Are you ready? So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much again. Please leave comments and questions. Uh, let us know uh, how you like it. And if you're listening to this, of course, please subscribe to the podcast, like it, rate it, and leave a comment. Please, please, please. And uh, tell your friends. So, our next podcast episode will be Total Agreement. Is it necessary for fellowship? And we're going to talk about the Nashville Statement also, and of course, specifically Article 10. Dun, dun, yes. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, that'll be coming up in the next episode. Otherwise, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, we are so thrilled to be doing this podcast. We are so excited that so many of you are listening. Yeah, this was epic and monumental. It was epic and monumental. And you know what? Let's do it again sometime. All right. Love you guys. Remember, burning questions, not people. (laughs) Love you guys.